Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're broadcasting live, as always, from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, my dear, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the continuation of our pricing rules, pricing scripts, how to price it right in the first place, how to avoid price reduction scripts, all of the great things to do with pricing, one of the core fundamental skills that all real estate professionals must get really great at. So looking forward to continuing that with you today. You know, I was on. I had a coaching call earlier today with Joe. He's up in uh, Tahoe, near Tahoe in Nevada, and he's one of the top agents in that marketplace. He just put. He's about to put one in contract for two and a half million. Just listed one for two million. I mean, he's really rocking it. Tahoe is this, is one of these weird markets because up by the lake. I'm just giving you guys this information because it ties into our topic. Up by where the when you think of Tahoe, you know, you think of the beautiful, you know, the California Nevada side and the trees and the lake and the rest of it. And um, and then there's obviously the Reno part, right? <laughs> so he primarily sells in the upper end area of Reno. And he wanted he always had it in the back of his mind that he wanted to go up to the Tahoe area. It's about 45 minutes away and get to know that market. So his homework from week over week was to find out if it's viable, find out the days in the market, find out the you know all the stuff. We want to know really what the opportunity is in that market. And you guys should all do that too. Before you become jealous of an upper end price range, just listen to the punchline here. So he goes and he does this and he does the research, and I'll review again. He went to find out how many listings that had sold uh, on average per month. And um, see, I should pull up his statistics and just give this to you guys. But if I remember correctly, there's an average of like, it was 6.32 months supply of homes for sale. We took the number of listings that sell on average per month, and we divided by the number of listings that are currently for sale. And it came out to basically that there was over a six-month supply of homes for sale. Um, and then we also figured out that most listings are going through at least one listing broker. So they're expiring, and then they're going into another agent. Now, for me, as someone who loves expireds, who when Julie and I sold real estate, that's what we, you know, that we loved expireds. That would be, uh, you know, that's great. That's the dinner bell ringing for us. Yeah. You know, ding, expired ding, listings are awesome. Opportunity. But, that's right. But the reality of it is, is that it's not an easy market. You're talking about people, a lot of expensive homes. The sellers don't necessarily have the same level of motivation because really if it sells or not, it doesn't really have much of an impact on them financially. So there's all those dynamics that enter into it. So here's what we discovered. I had him do the same thing on his market and get this, listeners. So the market that he was, you know, jealous of because the average sale price was, you know, higher takes twice as long, if not longer, to sell. If there's, um, you know, here, I'll put it in perspective. Right now, in basically the beginning of March, in his market, there's still a foot of snow on the ground. Up in the other market, there's 14 feet of snow on the ground. So when he kind of valued out the whole thing and looked at the ebbs and the flows and the nature of whether or not he wanted to deal with the, you know, the pricing and the, the cranky sellers and the because when you take an inexpensive listing, you have this long-term relationship with the seller. They're going to divide, they're going to require a lot more customer service. And then he compared it to his own market. His own market, the average sale price was less, uh, the, but his own market also sold in half the time. His own market actually sold for closer to asking price. In the other market, you had to go through usually three price changes before you got a, uh, a contract, uh, anyone to submit an offer. And hopefully by then you were still the listing agent. I mean, guys, you should write this down. I'm about to tell you a big secret. The secret 
the absolute secret to being a successful listing agent. Are you ready for this, listeners? I've never told you this before on this radio show. And thousands of shows, and, you know, millions of listens, becoming the most popular show specifically for real estate agents in the world. I've never given you this piece of information. Here it is. Ready? Normally, you have to be a part of our super secret club to know this super secret. The key to being a successful listing agent is having the listing when it sells. That's it. <laughs> okay? The key to being a successful right? But that's true. So you have to have the listing when it sells, which means you're going to have to keep that seller happy, which means you guys get the nature of it, right? It's a lot more work. And so we did this so we had this conversation here we are talking about pricing on the radio this week. So the pricing rules in his current market where there's a, you know, there's a 90 day supply of homes, where in certain price ranges there's less than 30 days supply of homes. The nature of the skill set he needs to price homes in that market, completely different than only 45 minutes away. And you guys are going to experience the same exact things in your market. When Julie and I were selling real estate, it was the same thing. There were some markets in, in Columbus, Ohio, where we sold real estate. It was never, ever really a hot seller's market. But there were pockets that were really hot. And then maybe a half hour, 45 minutes away, there's houses that you literally couldn't give away. That's how your market is as well. Those of you who are new in the real estate business, that's called normal. Okay? That's the reason you have to have a, a deep skill set on how to price properties because you don't know what situation you're going to find yourself in. Some of you guys are naively believing that the whole market is a seller's market. If you guys are on the coast, I get it. That's what you believe. But as the market starts to change, what's going to happen is we're going to see the pricing dynamics change. We're going to see the, di the days in the market expand. We're going to see the list-to-sell price ratio expand. We're going to see pe the buyers are going to become, you know, they're going to be expecting more negotiating because they're going to see more houses for sale. So you have to get really good at pricing. Pricing is one of the most, if not the most important skill set as a listing agent. And if, you know, it, pricing and, frankly, be, having good bedside matter about telling sellers about pricing. So pay very close attention. Um, we're going to try to finish up this topic today. And if you guys have any questions, as always, just email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Julie, if you don't have any shout-outs, let's just jump back in so maybe we can knock I've, this well, out. Well, I have a little uh, quick little one. Uh, Tracy Duggan in Memphis, Tennessee, one of our great premier members, has taken it upon herself to upgrade how she is keeping her script. So a lot of you guys print them off, post them on your wall, you put them in three-ring binders. That's all really great. The main thing is having your scripts at your fingertips. You're much more likely to use them if you can find them. But Tracy took it to the next level, went to FedEx office, had everything bound and tabbed in like a spiral-bound notebook so that she can quickly – flip over to a for rent by owner script when she needs it, to a center of influence script when she needs it. She's even got a buyer section. So that is somebody taking action and making it much easier to find success because she's not having to search everywhere. This is a great little book that she's put together that she can take with her everywhere. Post it on Facebook if you guys want to see what it looks like. And her total expenditure involved was a mere $15 to be that organized. So just wanted to give Tracy a good shout out for being an example to our great premier members on the Facebook page. And then I'm ready to get back into our pricing discussion. That's right. So guys, take notes. I know a lot of brokers, office managers are using our radio show as training. Um, it's very important that you guys write these points down. These are points that are not going to be put on the website as far as like a description of the show. So make sure you're taking good notes. So Julie, just jump right back in. Whatever. What point yeah. are we on? Uh, well, we started off our discussion yesterday about uh, the thought, don't go unless you know and we, we talked about things like average days on the market, list-to-sell price ratio, and you should always know what price the seller has in mind. So that brings us to point number four, 
Know the number of homes competing with your subject property. What are you up against? How would it compare in the eyes of the buyer? Now, this is an important point because some of you, when you're doing your CMAs and you're seeing what's actually competing with your subject property, you're being too narrow on your searches. I, this comes out in some of the coaching and some of the emails that we read, struggling with pricing things correctly. So if you're only looking at the subject property's micro-neighborhood, you might not find anything competing with it for some of you. So instead of looking at it that small, now if you find 20 homes and it's one of those neighborhoods where you know everything seems to be for sale and there's not a lot of that right now, then that's a different story. But for most of you, you're going to have to take off your micro-CMA hat and put on your buyer hat. So if I'm a buyer looking at your subject property, what else am I looking at? Is there new construction that's five miles away but still in the same school district? Is there another neighborhood that's almost exactly like this one that's just across the busy road? Is this, I remember, you remember Oak Creek, Tim, that was like phase 75, where it was this huge sprawling neighborhood, but it was all in the same school district. And you could go three or four miles out and still be in Oak Creek. So you've got to put on your buyer's hat. You have to show property today. You're going to show your subject property. What are you showing against? That way you can see in the eyes of the buyer how your subject property is going to stack up. Does that make sense, Tom? Kind of expanding Absolutely. it if they have to. Yeah. And remember, so, guys, unfortunately yeah. in some markets, a lot of markets, you're also going to have to take into consideration. Julie mentioned Oak Creek. Oak Creek was this massive never-ending, I'm still, I'm sure it's still getting developed, subdivision by MI Homes. So if you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, as Julie, don't, don't be making the mistake of assuming, the, you guys know this intuitively, the buyers are all they're going to look at anything for sale. New construction, as a rule, is easier to sell than a resale house because new construction is, well, you know, new. Most houses, whether you guys know this or not, uh, go through major maintenance cycles about every 10 to 12 years. Appliances in the kitchen, furnaces, air conditionings, it's all that stuff. It doesn't last 20 or 30 years like it used to. Old, if you guys have sold old homes before, uh, if you've been in the real estate market as well as we have, they used to have these massive octopus furnaces and these crazy monstrous yeah. things that are in the basements. But those things, the things, even though they're basically took up all the space in the basement, they lasted forever because they could replace parts. Nowadays, again, remember, guys, houses go through major maintenance cycles. And if you're out showing houses to buyers this weekend and they're trying to decide between a resale and a new construction house, um, you can pretty much guess when they take them to that resale house, if you put them in contract, and it's about that sweet spot, say 10 to 15 years old, and if all that stuff hasn't been changed, that stuff's all going to come up on your inspection and might kill the deal. So keep all that stuff in mind and, and become a smarter agent for the sake of your buyer and lessening the frustration. New construction always outsells resale. Um, and then when you're doing your CMAs, you have to know what else is for sale, resale wise, or new construction-wise. New construction is very rarely in the MLS. Uh, so, again, it's going to take you getting out of your chair, getting off your, out of your office, getting off your butt, and going out there and actually knowing the market. Incredibly important. Which was point number five, working ahead, Mr. Harris, but Sorry. that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. It's just funny you're reading my mind, quite literally. So, yeah, no, I was reading absolutely. your notes. You're reading my notes. So here's the secret. A resale home for 350000 might be competing with new construction as high as 500000 if the builder has buy-downs, interest rate buy-downs, making the payment less, and especially with in-house financing that has incentives. So you've got to know what's going on in new construction, even if it doesn't look like a comp. I mean, you wouldn't normally say a $500,000 home is a comp for a $350,000 home, but in the mind of the buyer who's comparing payment – if the builder buys down that, that rate, even if it's just for the first two years, a 2% interest rate, the payment might be pretty close 
to that 350 resale, and they're also not having to take all the baggage, as Tim said, about all of the repairs and all of the rehab and all of that kind of thing. So you've got to really be aware of that, even if it's not right next door and even if it's not in the exact price range. Another secret for you guys to embrace is that the next time you have to do continuing education, take an appraisal class. I know it's not the most exciting class in the world. I thought it was pretty boring, and I'm on the analytical end of the spectrum, but it's going to really help your pricing because you'll look at homes in four or five different ways instead of just from your residential resale perspective. It will help you become a more confident pricer. Even if you're you know, 50% bored in the class, at least get continuing ed out of it and do take appraisal classes. I also recommend that you become friends with an appraiser so that when you get stuck on some tough pricing, you can just call them up, run it up the flagpole, see what their insight is. That's going to help a lot. So point number six, don't go unless you know what the seller's time frame is. Ideally, when does the home need to sell and close by? Look at it this way. If you're going on a, on a listing presentation and you find out the average days on the market is about 60, but the homeowner really needs to move in 30 days, well, technically it should have been listed last month if we're going to hit their time frame, which puts pressure on your price. You're going to be more aggressive on price, meaning pricing it a little bit lower, because now you've got this constriction of time frame that doesn't actually match what the market's doing. Now, the opposite can be true, too. If you're going on a listing presentation tonight and the average days on the market is about an hour and a half, but the seller's not really ready to move yet, you know you're going to get offers, they may shoot it down because they're not really mentally, emotionally, or financially ready to do anything. Maybe they're building something and it's not going to be done for four months. You've got to know what is the seller, <clears throat> excuse me, the seller's time frame. Sometimes sellers will say to you, getting this done fast is more important than getting an extra 10 grand. I want it over with. Sometimes they're going to say, you know what, drag it out because my relocation doesn't come through until October. You've got time. Let's test the price out. But you've got to know what the seller's time frame is so that you can together set some expectations. So compare their time frame to the average days on the market and see what that does to your strategy. Okay? Here's the secret. If they don't actually have a time frame, you may have a problem. The less motivated they are, the higher they may wish to price it, that's a recipe for a tough relationship. That doesn't mean that you won't necessarily take the listing, but you do have more to discuss, and you've got to make sure that you have the same mindset and time frame as the seller. Sometimes, Tim, we have coaching calls where the agent actually is having a lot of anxiety because the house hasn't sold yet, but the seller's totally cool with that. It's very counterintuitive, but it's because well, that it's, uh, conversation hadn't happened, right? Go ahead. It's a balance, though. You guys have to be mindful of that. Now, we do give you pre-qualification scripts. We do want you to know the seller's motivation, and all that's really important. But here's where the challenge comes in. Um, you might be dealing in an upper-end market, as a lot of our great clients are. And in those price ranges, as I touched earlier on earlier with Joe and his price range up in Tahoe, you're not going to have people that have the same level of motivation as, say, somebody selling a normally priced, say, $220,000 or less house. Or you really, you know, you guys get the point. They don't have other buckets of money to pull from. So you can have somebody in the upper ends that just lets the house sit vacant for months, years. It's normal. It's really not that big of a deal for them not to, you know, let the house go. Over time, they'll wear themselves down. Over time, they'll get sick of paying the property taxes, and they'll have, you know, they'll be more motivated. But you got it. It's your market, right? So in your market, if you're dealing with a lot of upper end folks, finding that really red hot motivation 
you're not probably going to find it as easily as if you're selling in a normal price range where the people have to sell the house. They can't afford both houses. They need the equity for one to buy the other. They can't you you know qualify for two. You guys get the point. So you, these rules are rules that should apply in all markets, but you have to have enough business maturity and market knowledge to know at what extreme to apply them. So if you're dealing in upper end stuff and you're not taking any listings, but you're going on appointments and you're rationalizing it, they weren't motivated enough for me, you're probably making a mistake. And the flip side to it is if you're working in the you know normal price range of stuff and you're taking everything and nothing's selling because you're finding out the seller was basically, I'll sell it at my price when pigs fly, and you're getting frustrated <laughs> there too, well, those are both your own creation. The answer is to use the prequalification script ask all the questions, and to determine their motivation. We say this as often as you guys will hear, listen to us say it. Do not go on a listing appointment until you know until the pre-listing pack has been delivered, until you know what the seller's motivation is, and ideally when, uh, until you know what the seller thinks the house is worth. When you pre-qualify using our script, you will get all that information prior to going on appointments. We've told you exactly what to say. We've told you exactly how to say it. We've told you exactly when to ask the questions. The heavy lifting has all been done for you. You know, Julie, actually, my mind just meandered. I was uh, talking with one of our new uh, new member coaches yesterday, and this new member coach was telling me they had a call with one of you guys, and the call was basically somebody who was trying to patchwork quilt their own real estate system together. It was a guy, mm-hmm. and he was taking a lot mm-hmm. of pride in the fact that he was taking a little bit from Tim and Julie. He was taking a little bit from Tom Ferry. He was taking a little bit from Keller Williams, and he had this crazy, you know, complicated whatever system, and, you know, and the, the, the call went something like, well, why? Why are you doing that? What's the point? Well, I want to I want to do it. I want I like the challenge. Well, isn't the point of being in real estate to basically help people make money? Isn't the point to actually, you know, make money, run a successful business? And see this this agent and a lot of you guys do this had it in their mind that they need to create their own thing, that the real estate practice is yeah. just, uh, some sort of, you know, release of their long-term entrepreneurial angst and they're going to figure out a way to do it that no one else has done it before. Why? Why bother? You know, why bother trying to recreate the wheel, guys? Copy what works. Doesn't that just make sense? Isn't that the easiest way for you to make money? Isn't that the easiest way for you to move forward with your business is just copy what works, right? Isn't that what everyone does who wants to be successful at anything in life? So look at your decisions you're making, and if you're finding yourself going on many different websites, many different Facebook groups trying to you know, weave together your own real estate system or your own script, guys, that's, just, that's kind of crazy. And honestly, if your goal is to help people make money, don't you want to basically just get in the mode of helping people make money as fast as possible? That's just creative procrastination at the end of the day. We've made it so easy for all of you guys to move forward quickly. Just become Premier Coaching members, and the Premier Coaching program is something that every single one of you can qualify for, every single one of you will want to do, and you can get more information on the Premier Coaching program by simply requesting a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Look, guys, just by requesting a free coaching call, we're going to give you those six free books, including your 12-monthly generation plan, including Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, including your real estate treasure map, and then you can speak to a new member coach, and you can get your questions answered. And, guys, the Premier Coaching program is a price point that you will not believe you know, it's something that all of you can afford. And if you don't have the money, we're actually working with lenders that will actually help it help you so you can qualify with, frankly, no matter what your past credit history has been. Literally every single one of you listening can join as, and not have to have any money down, no closings, nothing. This program is the program that Julie and I originally wanted to put together. Well, frankly, we've been wanting to put this program together for almost 20 years. This is the coaching program we wish we would have found when we got into real estate, you know, decades ago. 
it really is a turnkey business in a box. So, guys, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And like I said, if nothing else, just grab those six free books. Have a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. They'll help you get started on the real estate treasure map. Next point, Julie. Next point is number seven. Don't go unless you know what is actually motivating the sale specifically. When you know why they want to slash have to move, ideally have to move, you can use this to stay on task during the appointment, referring to their needs and making more about them than about you. This is a key presentation point. It's a pricing point. Know why they have to move. It seems kind of basic, but a lot of you guys have gone on appointments and you're not sure other than that they've told you they wanted to sell the house. Why is that? What specifically is motivating the sale so that you can keep referring back to that so that we can get you to your new home when it's actually complete and you won't have to own two at once or none at all? You see, I'm using your motivation, not mine. Hey, we got to get on the market real fast because the market's moving. I'm, I, you know, Maybe they don't care about that. Make it all about them. What is their motivation? Do they want to move as a family because they're relocating? Do they want it gone so they can cash out while the market's hot right now? What's motivating them? You've got to ask those questions. I'm curious, why have you decided to sell? I mean, that's a pretty easy, non-conflict uh, question. What's motivating them to sell? And then you can also use that to help close them so that we can get you where you need to be in the time you need to be there and protect the equity we know we can get you. We need to go ahead and get it on the market today. I'm making it all about you, not making it about me. So here's the secret. When you can highlight what they need, you can actually deliver on that. Not knowing what they need or by when they need it is a handicap to your relationship. It does cause conflict later on in the relationship. You can sell it too fast, not fast enough. They can you know, turn it on you. It's your fault that it's overpriced. You know, you've got to know what are their needs so that you can simply deliver it. It's so much easier than trying to kind of guess your way through or razzle-dazzle them with all of your presentation skills that they don't actually care about. What's important to them? You should all have something posted in your office and maybe tattooed on yourself somewhere on the way to an appointment. Make them feel important. Make it all about them. Remember that Maya Angelou quote, they'll forget what you said and how you said it. That doesn't mean don't use scripts, by the way. But what she's saying is they will remember how you made them feel. We have example after example of our coaching members who are in competitive listing situations they got the listing. They asked, I'm curious, why did you decide to choose me versus some of the other people you spoke with? The common answer is, you are the only one who seemed to care about what was important to me. And that's why we teach you a specific way to present that includes, you know, actually finding out what's important to them. Seems pretty basic. Back to you, Tim. Yeah. I mean, guys, the, the moral of the story here is when you're going through the interview process, when you're talking to sellers, the, the thing you'll notice about everything and the approach we take and we want you guys to take in selling is to make it about the person you're talking to. In other words, we're asking you to ask questions that are going to help the seller lead to the logical conclusion that you're the agent for them. The questions that we're asking you to ask and the way we're asking you to ask them, okay, do you guys follow that, are non-confrontational. So even those of you who are the least or the most conflict-avoiding out there will not have any problems asking these questions. They're easy and natural and normal questions to ask. And when you go through the process, you'll find it's very smooth. It's just like making a, a perfect recipe. I think that's something everyone can understand. If you put things in uh, – <laughs> so Zoe, 
our little three-year-old, and Julie will create – they buy these little boxes, and they have these little recipes in them. Those of you guys who have or had little kids, you know what I'm talking about. And each one has a little number in it, so it's supposed to go into the mixing bowl in a certain specific order. And um, I watch uh, Julie and Zoe making this, and, like, Zoe, now she's three, but she knows her numbers. And, like, you know, if Julie tries to put in number – you know, heck, if Julie's making herself, she's just going to throw it all in. It's going to be done, right? But not with Zoe. Uh-uh. She's watching Mama. And if Mama tries to put in number one – followed by number four she's gonna go no no mama <laughs> number two comes before that and then zoe will slowly you know rip it open and drop it in the bowl and then no no mama number three comes next so what you guys are trying to do some of you is when you don't follow a specific order of things when you don't do things in the correct you know following the recipe you're going to end up with something that's not exactly what you were desirous of you're going to end up with something that isn't what you wanted and you're going to say well what happened why am i not getting a consistent result what did i say what did i do why isn't this you know you're going to be puzzled you're going to be frustrated it's because you didn't follow the directions it's you didn't follow the order in which things should be asked every single contact with a seller should be uh, literally a carbon copy of the one before it. And every time you want to try to improve, don't wing it. Don't treat one customer one way, one seller another. Don't, oh, I'm going to wing the script. I'm going to ask this question. I'll ask that question later. You want to absolutely positively make it so that you're following the exact same system every single day. And frankly, like when I have a coaching call with somebody and, the, and they have like a problem, like they didn't take a listing. Or they had some challenge. And frankly, I don't no not taking a listing following our system is in my mind intolerable. That's there's no excuse for it. And I don't care how experienced you are. Yeah, it's just it's it's no there's no failure with taking that's my mindset. So when I talk with one of you guys and you're saying, Tim, I followed the system and I didn't take the listing, I'm like, No, you didn't. And then I'll start asking questions. Did you pre qualify? Did you ask all the questions? Did you actually go through all the you know, did you follow every single step the way we ask you to follow it? And I always find at least two or three things that you guys were not doing correctly. And there were the things that had you done in the right order the way we asked you, you would have gotten the positive result. It's very consistent that I find little tiny simple things that you guys will stop doing. When you really get into our material on Premier Coaching and when you're really studying the whole listing process, you're going to see that the whole listing process, it doesn't start when you arrive at the seller's door. It starts on that initial conversation when you're pre-qualifying them. That's where your listing presentation actually starts. And the listing presentation itself, if you follow our listing process, it really is fun because you're going in there confidently knowing that you're going to take that listing. And, guys, look, brand new, it doesn't matter. I don't care if, you, if the ink on your license is still drying. You could still go in following our system and get very consistent results. And here's the thing you've got to keep in the back of your mind. And some of you don't know this. Some of you assume, oh, someone's been in the market forever has a killer listing presentation. Some of you assume that someone who's selling more expensive real estate has got an absolute phenomenal listing presentation. No, they don't. How do I know? Because we coach a lot of them. And when they come to us, they tell me their listing presentation. It's just a fancier version of some guy that's selling mobile homes in the middle of Iowa. It's not that – there's no approach to it. It's just a typical look at me. Here's me and my dog. <laughs> here's all my awards. Here's all this. Here's about our brokerage. Here's about this, that, the other. In other words, it's nothing at all to do with what the seller actually may want or may need. It's a me approach to selling opposed to you approach to selling. So the reason that you guys, a lot of you really love the scripts that we teach and the process we, sh we show you how to do is because it's in sync with how the relationships you actually want to have with these folks. So the very nature of a traditional, I would call it, old way, 
outdated way of selling is where the person, the agent, or it doesn't matter what they're selling, is trying to make it about them. I'm great. Here's my team. Here's my awards. Here's my plaques. Here's my marketing. Here's me with the president of whatever. Isn't that the usual about me approach that most real estate agents take? People hate that. You hate that. Imagine if someone were sitting in your home at your kitchen table, and for an hour you're having to sit there and listen to them brag about themselves. That sucks. No, that isn't our approach. Our approach is basically going in there after you've pre-qualified them, after you send the pre-listing pack, after you've followed the process, and you're going through a series of questions we've written out for you. They're gonna, it's conversational. It's very simple. The whole presentation from beginning to end takes maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and you walk out with the listing. Guys, please, those of you who are coaching clients, stop trying to wing it. Stop trying to you know, put the ingredients in the mixing bowl in the wrong order. You're going to wonder why it's not working for you the way that you know it can, and there's the answer because you're not doing it in the right order. You're, you're skipping a step. You're trying to bring in, oh, I'm going to bring in this special thing that I learned five years ago, and I'm going to replace what Tim and Julie told me, and I'm going to see if that works. Why are you doing that? Just follow the system, and you're going to get the results that you guys all deserve to get. It's not difficult. I mean, <laughs> you know, it isn't. If you guys were to buy a franchise, if you guys were to decide to be – professional Formula One drivers, uh, if you guys were to do whatever, you would do exactly what you were supposed to do in the exact order in which you're supposed to do it because you knew it would get you to the goal that you were after, right? That's how professionals act. People that are not professional, what they do, and by professional, you can replace that word with a whole bunch of other things. What they do is they basically will mishmash. They'll do the whole, like I said, the patchwork quilt approach. They'll think that they have some sort of natural talent and ability that I can do better than anyone else who's come before me. Guys, that is really insane if your goal is to help people and make money. After you get really freaking good, the best of the best, if you then want to start playing with it, go for it. When you've actually gotten to the point where you can consistently set in, set in a listing a day and take a listing a day, now you want to start basically ad-libbing a little bit. You want to be like you know, freestyling it a little bit just to try to bring in some other things, have some more fun with it. Go for it. But until you get to that level, you guys have to be regimented and stick to the exact system because then you know, when you call me up if you're having a challenge, I'll be able to say, hey, let's go through it. What are you not doing? What are you doing? Let's break it down. Let's figure out where we're being inconsistent. Let's make sure we're asking all the questions. Make sure you understand the ramification of the questions. And then usually it's going to be two or three small tweaks, and then you're going to be back out, and you're going to be hitting home runs again. Guys, get it? Look, I have to go to a coaching call. Julie's on the Premier Coaching Call right now. Uh, Premier Coaching members, remember, we have upgraded your service at no additional charge. You now get a daily one-on-one semi-private coaching call, and Julie is doing the call today. So make sure you log into that call. The information is on the website. Um, and also, if you need us for anything, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Oh, very cool guest tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to the show tomorrow. He's the guy I've been promising you for two weeks. We're going to drill down on the actual uh, facts about buying leads, buying impressions, and really essentially I'm going to prove to you, do my best to prove to you guys tomorrow in a very analytical, drilled-down approach that buying leads is stupid. So <laughs> that's the premise of tomorrow's show. I'll talk to you guys on the show tomorrow. If you need us for anything, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. 
And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.